You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 115. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there, my name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. In the last episode, I outlined the basic computer skills you need in order to be able to record professional quality audio in your home studio. I spoke in depth about the structure of your computer and how it interfaces with any external audio devices you may be using, such as a USB microphone or a USB audio interface. If you haven't listened to the previous episode yet, I highly recommend you review it before continuing. As I move forward, I'm going to be building on the information I shared with you last time. In this episode, I want to talk in depth about the process of recording audio on a professional level. Most beginning voice actors do not have a solid understanding of what it means to record professional-level audio. With the proliferation of smartphones and other consumer-level portable digital recording devices, we've all become very accustomed to recording both audio and video on the spur of the moment. We often watch videos and listen to audio that our friends and family post on social media websites. While these shared moments of audio and video may be spontaneous and candid, they almost never approach a level of quality that is acceptable for professional audio environments. Just imagine if the sound in the next big movie or TV show you decided to watch was recorded on your cell phone. It would be difficult for you to listen to it for long without being frustrated by the low quality of the audio. It takes studio professionals countless hours of focused attention and hard work to achieve the crystal-clear dialogue, sound effects, and music you hear in your favorite Hollywood films and television series. If your goal is to be a professional voice actor who regularly collaborates with these industry professionals, you need to know how to achieve a more rarefied level of audio quality in your own recordings. I'm going to explain to you the basics of digital recording and what it takes to record audio on a professional level from your home studio. While a complete course on how to record studio-grade audio is beyond the scope of this podcast, I do want to provide my listeners with straightforward metaphors for understanding the process. I also want to address some common mistakes and misconceptions beginners often stumble over when approaching digital recording. I'll explain in detail what's going on inside your audio equipment, so you'll be better prepared for the next episode where I'll share best practices and more mistakes to avoid when recording yourself. While some of this might seem complicated at first, I'm going to do my best to simplify things. I want you to have a solid understanding so you can spend more time focusing on your voice acting performances and less time stressing about technical issues while still producing professional quality audio. As I mentioned in the last episode, it may be good for you to have a notebook nearby to write down some of the terms and ideas I'll be discussing. Let's get started. And now, the feature segment. 
Let's begin with a basic understanding of how sound works. When you hear something, your ears are responding to sound waves that are moving through the air. These sound waves compress and stretch the molecules in the air around you, creating vibrations that your eardrums can detect. The faster the compression and stretching of air that occurs, the higher the perceived pitch of the sound. The slower, the lower the pitch. This compression rate is also called the frequency of the sound, since the pitch of a sound is determined by how frequently the sound waves strike your eardrum within a certain time period. The volume of a sound depends on the size of those waves, which is also called their amplitude. The higher the amplitude of a sound wave, the louder you perceive it to be, and vice versa. So, a quiet, high-pitched sound has a low amplitude and a high frequency while a loud, low-pitched sound has a high amplitude and a low frequency. I'll include a picture of these two different types of sound waves in the blog post associated with this podcast episode at voiceactingmastery.com. Each of your ear canals contains a small, thin membrane of flesh known as your eardrum that is sensitive enough to react to sound waves in the air around you. It does this by vibrating back and forth. Your eardrum is connected to three small bones in your head that take that tiny movement and transfer it to an even deeper area called the inner ear. Your inner ear contains a chamber that can then translate this physical motion into electrical impulses, which are sent to your brain via your nervous system. So your ear is a sophisticated mechanism that takes external sound waves and turns them into an electrical signal that your brain can understand. A microphone works in much the same way, as it contains a diaphragm or membrane that serves the same purpose as your eardrum. Sound strikes the microphone's diaphragm and causes it to vibrate back and forth. There are magnets in a microphone that then translate the tiny physical motions of its diaphragm into electrical impulses, much like what happens in your inner ear. The electrical impulses can then be recorded. Just as your inner ear sends electrical impulses into your brain to be processed and stored, your microphone's magnets send electrical impulses that can be recorded as digital data into your computer or other recording device, where that data can then be processed and stored. Before the advent of digital audio, people used different physical mediums to record electrical sound signals, including vinyl records and magnetic tape. Both of these mediums do their best to store sound information by mimicking the shape of sound waves physically. For example, a vinyl record has grooves in it. These grooves change shape in the same physical pattern as the original sound wave recorded on the record. The faster the sound wave, the faster the groove of the record changes shape. When a record player needle is inserted into a record's groove, it traverses that groove at a set speed moving with the same frequency and amplitude as the original sound wave. The needle then translates that movement into an electrical signal that can be amplified and played back for the listener. We call this type of recording on physical media analog recording, because the record has a physical structure that is analogous to the original sound wave. Magnetic tapes work in a similar fashion, but capture the shape of a sound wave as a varying magnetic charge on a piece of tape. 
This tape then slides past a metal tape head, which can read the magnetic charge and translate it into an electrical signal for amplification and playback. While the analog recording process is relatively straightforward, it always contains a certain amount of noise or hiss when played back. This is due to the fact that something must physically slide over the analog recorded media to recreate the sound, whether that's the needle of a record player or the head of a tape player. This also means that the more often you play an analog recording, the more you create friction, which will eventually wear out the medium and degrade the recording. Digital audio was created in the 1970s to overcome the limitations of analog recording techniques. Instead of using a physical medium like a vinyl record or a magnetic tape to mimic the shape of a sound wave, digital systems use a special mathematical algorithm to encode the sound wave as a series of ones and zeros. Later, that same math can be used to decode the series of ones and zeros and create an electrical signal that can be amplified for a listener. These ones and zeros can be stored in different formats, such as on optical disks like CDs or DVDs, or on a computer's hard drive. One significant advantage of a digital recording is that it does not deteriorate no matter how many times you play it back. However, the biggest advantage of digital audio is that it removes a lot of the noise or hiss that is common to analog recording. As consumer electronics have gotten cheaper and more sophisticated, digital recording technology has proliferated into almost every personal computing device. Digital recording is the primary technical process that you, as a voice actor, need to master in order to be professionally competitive in the industry. To help simplify this process into a usable metaphor, you can think of digital recording in three steps. First, sound waves strike the diaphragm of a microphone. Second, the magnets in that microphone translate the physical sound waves into electrical impulses. Third, those electrical impulses are encoded as a series of ones and zeros on your computer's hard drive. Later, when you want to play back that recording, you reverse this three-step process. First, the computer reads the ones and zeros off its hard drive and decodes them into an electrical impulse. Second, that electrical impulse is amplified and sent through a headphone jack or audio output jack. Third, that amplified electrical signal moves the membrane or driver in your headphones and or speakers, recreating the original sound wave so you can hear it. Much of the quality of a digital recording depends on how well the transitions between each of these three steps are handled. From physical motion to electrical impulse, and from electrical impulse to digital encoding. If either of these two transitions is made poorly, the quality of your audio will suffer. As we dive further into learning just how to get the best professional audio results for your voice acting needs, let's start with the first transition the one from physical motion to electrical impulse. It is the microphone's job to handle that physical-to-electrical transition effectively. This means you can't afford to skimp when it's time to purchase a microphone for your home recording setup. Remember those recording mistakes I said I was going to mention in this episode? This is a huge one that many beginning voice actors make. Assuming that all microphones are created equal 
and just buying the cheapest one. There are so many different types of microphones out there that the sheer variety of them can seem daunting, especially if you're just starting out. Fortunately, there's a certain type of microphone that is far and away the most commonly used for recording voiceover the large diaphragm microphone. Any microphone with a diaphragm that's one inch in diameter or larger is usually considered a large diaphragm microphone. Whereas any microphone with a diaphragm that's smaller than an inch in diameter is classified as a small diaphragm microphone. The larger a diaphragm the microphone has, the more accurately it can capture the nuances of certain sounds. In general, the human voice tends to sound more natural and appealing when recorded on a large diaphragm microphone. You can really hear the difference when comparing professional studio recordings to anything recorded on a portable digital device. The pinhole sized microphones built into your smartphone and your laptop have very tiny diaphragms and will never sound as rich and full as a proper large diaphragm microphone. If you visit voiceactingmastery.com, you'll see that almost all of the microphones that I recommend in the toolbox section are large diaphragm microphones. A high quality large diaphragm microphone creates a strong, rich electrical impulse that must then be encoded into ones and zeros. This encoding is the second transition in the three step digital recording process, and it's the job of an analog to digital converter. If you listen to the previous episode, you'll remember that I talked briefly about these audio interfaces while discussing best practices for helping them interact with your computer. We'll spend a little more time on them now so you can understand in more detail how they function. An analog to digital converter is a piece of circuitry that samples the electrical signal of a microphone tens of thousands of times a second and converts that electricity into ones and zeros that are stored on your computer's hard drive. The higher the quality of that analog to digital converter, the cleaner and more natural the sound of your recording. As you can imagine, the circuitry needed to accurately capture an electrical signal and record it as digital information is quite complicated. This means that just like I advised with microphones, you really don't want to skimp on your analog to digital converter when building your home recording setup. The smaller and cheaper a designer tries to make an analog to digital converter, the more compromises they have to make to its sound quality in order to save space and cut costs. So while it's true that any consumer level electronic device that can record audio contains an analog to digital converter, almost none of them sound as good as the converters in professional-level sound equipment. This is also the reason why most standalone USB microphones almost never sound as good as a more traditional analog microphone paired with a high-quality external USB audio interface. I touched on this briefly in the last episode, but will provide more detail here. A USB microphone attempts to pack the entire three-step process of digital recording into one device and sell it at a low price. While this achieves convenience and affordability, it can adversely affect sound quality because the mic now has to do more things in the same amount of space. Not only must a USB microphone have a diaphragm that converts physical sound waves into an electrical signal, it must also contain an analog-to-digital converter 
that encodes that electrical signal into ones and zeros, which it then passes over a USB connection to your computer. When you try to pack that much circuitry into such a small device, compromises must be made somewhere in order to make everything fit and remain economical. These compromises usually translate to lower quality audio in your recordings. This is why I usually only recommend all-in-one USB mics for beginner-level voice recording and for travel situations. As I also mentioned in the last episode, the most professional-sounding home recording setups pair a traditional microphone with an external USB audio interface. Microphone designers have had decades to develop and refine the design of traditional large diaphragm microphones. Some of the most definitive designs were developed in the 1960s and are still popular today, including the Neumann U87 microphone, which is the most common microphone used in voiceover studios. These traditional microphones excel at translating physical sound waves into an electrical signal. In the toolbox section of the Voice Acting Mastery website, I've chosen the most commonly used large diaphragm microphones for voiceover. By using one of these microphones that has an established track record, you are taking advantage of decades of expertise and reliable sound quality. If you use a traditional analog microphone, you'll need that external audio interface we've been talking about to convert its electrical signal into ones and zeros. The vast majority of home studio audio interfaces use a USB interface to connect to a computer. But unlike a USB microphone that tries to be an all-in-one recording solution, a USB audio interface has only one job, to convert a microphone's electrical signal into ones and zeros at the best quality possible. Dedicated USB audio interfaces have more room inside and a bigger budget, which allows designers to put in higher quality components. The recording setup I personally use takes advantage of both a powerful large diaphragm analog microphone and a high-quality USB audio interface to convert its signal into digital data and send that data to my computer. This ensures that both transitions in my three-step digital recording process are as professional-sounding as possible. Please check out the toolbox section at voiceactingmastery.com for all my audio interface recommendations. At this point, some of you may be wondering whether all this detailed audio knowledge is really necessary in order to be a voice actor. Crispin, I can hear some of you asking, do I really have to know all this? Why can't I just record auditions on my smartphone? After all, I heard about this one guy who totally booked a job that way. If you move in voice acting circles long enough, chances are you'll hear anecdotal stories about voice actors booking work after recording an audition directly into their smartphone. While this does occasionally happen, please don't make a common mistake that many beginners commit, which is assuming that producers and directors will go out of their way to hire you even if your recordings don't sound professional. First of all, chances are that the guy you heard about was most likely already established in the industry and was sending a last-minute emergency audition to a producer who already knew them. This can and does happen in the industry once you're well-known enough as a voice actor. But for voice actors just starting out, 
it really pays to put yourself in the position of a producer hiring talent for their next important project. Think about it. Most of these industry professionals are used to hearing voice actors who have been recorded on some of the best audio equipment in the world. Day after day, they hear top-quality actors performing on top-quality equipment. If you, as an unknown voice actor, supply them with an audition of low sound quality, not only will it be more difficult for them to hear your performance compared to hundreds of other auditions, but it will make you seem less professional than your competitors. On a subconscious level, the message will be that you don't care enough to make sure your recording is of a high quality. And no one wants to collaborate with an actor who doesn't care. Don't sabotage your performances with poor recording technique. Always put your best foot forward, especially when you're just starting out, and preferably forever. By learning the basics of how audio works, you'll have a much better understanding of what goes into making your voice sound fantastic. In the highly competitive world of voiceover, you need to present yourself in as good a light as possible in order to stand out from the crowd. And you can't stand out from the crowd if you're recording yourself on a smartphone. In fact, it's precisely because digital recording has gotten so cheap and so democratized that you, as a voice actor, need to understand the digital recording process. Never before has it been so easy to make terrible-sounding recordings. This is partly because tiny mics and cheap analog-to-digital converters are now the norm. But also because voiceover makes greater demands of audio equipment than almost any other type of recording situation. Most musical instruments and singers create sound in a relatively narrow volume range. A singer may get quieter or louder during a performance, but the difference in volume between their quietest note and their loudest one is not nearly as drastic as the volume difference between a voice actor whispering and a voice actor screaming grenade at the top of their lungs. This means that a voice actor's audio equipment needs to be sensitive enough to record the tiniest breath, but at the same time robust enough to handle the loudest scream. No current smartphone can do this well. Just try recording yourself on your phone transitioning between whispering and yelling at the top of your lungs. Then play the recording back over your home theater system. You'll notice that your smartphone recording sounds nothing like what you hear in your favorite action movie or video game. It will most likely sound clipped, distorted, or artificial. This is not what you want. Your goal when you record yourself in your home studio is to make sure your audio sounds as close as possible to the professional productions that you admire, so you can actually book work and be in them. It's never been more important for beginners to start their voice acting journey on the right foot, with a solid education when it comes to audio technology and how best to use it. Early in your career, you may not only need to audition from your home studio, but you may be called on to record entire voiceover jobs at home. Many entry-level voice acting jobs are record-at-home projects. If you're working on audiobooks, industrial narration, student animated films, or independent video games, you will most likely be expected to record all of your lines in your home studio. In situations like that, you'll need to understand the details of how digital recording works 
in order to maintain a high level of audio quality as well as troubleshoot any problems that might arise during your home recording session. So if there's anything I can instill in you as this episode draws to a close, I'm hoping that you'll come away with a new resolve to get as educated as you can when it comes to digital recording technology and best practices for using it. As you learn more and more about audio recording, you'll come to appreciate the level of detail and focus that professional audio designers put into their microphones and digital converters. You'll begin to realize the importance of understanding how these tools interact with each other so you can maximize the quality of your recordings. You'll find that you're grateful for the flexibility and reliability these devices provide, and you'll be able to use these tools to their greatest potential, booking more work as you achieve greater and more consistent levels of audio quality. In the next episode, I'll discuss how best to record yourself in your home studio. I'll talk about some of the most common settings professional voice actors use for their recording equipment, and I'll also share with you some common mistakes that beginners often make when recording themselves and how to avoid them. Until then, I wish you the best in your voice acting endeavors. Take care. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.